All right, welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Uh, we took an extra week off to let some more Blackhawks news filter in, and boy, did some more Blackhawks news filter in at the last minute. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I guess we'll start with that, the big news. We will get to the other Blackhawks moves that made earlier in this uh, two-week stretch, but Henry Yokiharu, who we talked about a lot our last episode, where he was going to fit in, and apparently... The Blackhawks thought he fit best in Buffalo because they just traded him yesterday for former uh, first-round pick from 2016, Alex Nylander, who is also the brother of William Nylander from the Maple Leafs and the nephew of the Blackhawks' former player, Michael Nylander. But um, I'll ask you, this is... I mean, I guess we shouldn't be that shocked they trade Yoki Haru, but it's still kind of surprising when it actually happened. So I'll ask you, Michael, what are your thoughts on the trade? I really haven't decided yet. Um, it's been a little while since I've actually gotten to watch Nylander, um, you know, for more than, you know, just a game here or there. Um, I, I had studied him a little bit in his draft year. Uh, he's definitely a highly skilled player. Um, makes a lot of nice quick passes he has a, a a nice release on his shot. He doesn't use his shot a ton, um, but I hope that's something that maybe he's uh, improved a, upon uh, over the last couple of years, maybe a little bit more willingness to shoot. The issue with Nylander is he's very much a perimeter player. Uh, he's not a guy that spends much, if any, time in front of the net uh, just he just he, he he's not a guy that is going to score dirty goals for you. He's going to score have to score pretty goals or set guys up. Now, being a perimeter player does not necessarily mean that you cannot be successful, but it means you have to be really good at the skills that you have. And at least in his first couple of years as a pro, that really hasn't translated yet. Um, but. He's another right-handed shot, which is something that the Blackhawks have obviously targeted over this offseason. Um, it was something that I harped on quite a bit last year. Um, Debrinkit was the only guy that they had last year who offered any type of offensive ability as a right-handed shot. Um, but then this offseason, you know, we've seen them draft Kirby Doc. We've seen them sign Ryan Carpenter, and we've seen them trade for Andrew Shaw and now uh, Nylander. And it's, uh, you know, this is definitely a risk. The other thing that the Blackhawks um, had targeted over the offseason and, you know, was a stated goal of theirs was to get a little bit more grit into their lineup. Obviously, Shaw addresses that. Um, I think they feel like Kubalik can contribute a little bit in that regard uh having Kajula for an entire season and then adding Carpenter who can bring a little bit of that as well um you know all of those moves along with the defensive moves of bringing in uh Dehan and Mata to to a, a certain extent um you know we're all designed to help the Blackhawks both in front of their own net and in front of the opposing net um but 
as I said, Nylander is not that type of player. Yeah, this that, is oh, more along yeah, the lines of a typical, you yeah, know, yeah. a previous Blackhawks moves where they where they identify and go after skill above all. And yeah, that, that's what this I was is more add, of a too. Yeah, that's what I was going to add too. Is a you know this move does strike a little bit of the same tone as the um, uh, Dylan Strome trade last year, where it was a you know a highly picked player who. Well, you know, some scouts are saying he had motivation issues and stuff. And, you know, Strom was quite good for the Blackhawks last year. So I'm sure that's the hope with Nylander because he had the same concerns where people are, does he give full effort all the time? And I don't know if I ever believe those, but those concerns are out there. Yeah, you know, it's – and those type of concerns are legitimate with some players. Um, I typically don't – tend to believe other people's takes on that because I have different uh, views on toughness and effectiveness uh, than quite a few hockey fans, especially old school ones. Um, And so I'm willing to give Nylander the benefit of the doubt, but even when I watched him back in his draft year in that, he's definitely a guy that does his best work and prefers to stick to the perimeter, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't tough. I mean, you still have to be able to fight off checks and through checks and be able to win some board battles. Um, and we'll see if he's willing to do that. Um, you know, just because he's not a guy that's going to stand in front of the net or, you know, really drive the puck to the net with control doesn't necessarily mean you know, that he isn't tough. So we'll see. Um, It's, you know, the other end of this is, you know, obviously the fans took a a liking to Yoki Haru, you know, with the complete disaster that the defense was last season. Obviously Yoki Haru performed pretty well and definitely gave everyone some, semblance of hope moving forward. Um, However, I I, I think I, and I like Yoki Haru. I I do think he's a very good bet to be a second pairing right-handed defenseman with a decent ish shot to be a a first pairing guy. Um, I think it's far more likely he's a second pairing guy, but um, I, I do like him and that's a very valuable asset so, you know, it's, it's, it, it is definitely a questionable move if the questions about Nylander's motor and toughness are actually legitimate, but we'll see. Um, you know, obviously the Blackhawks were dealing, you know, obviously the, the defense as a whole is still a question, but the Hawks were still dealing from a position of strength in that they do have a deep right-handed defensive prospect core with Boquist and Ian Mitchell still both being available. Well, that's obviously what, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, so obviously they value Mitchell and Boquist above Yoki Haru now, would you say, or is that a stretch? I don't know if it's above, but they, I, I do think they, they view Boquist above him for sure. Um, and I think there's at least the chance that they view Mitchell as equal or perhaps better than Yoki Haru. Um, all three of those guys, you know, were projected to be top four caliber guys. 
So, you know, it's, we knew all three of them weren't going to make it onto this roster. That was just never going to happen. Um, And the Blackhawks were, you know, heading into this year, you know, they had a lot of good defensive and defensive prospects, not a lot of good forward prospects. And so, you know, obviously adding doc, you know, was a, a, a big part, but, you know, I think they felt like this was another opportunity to add another, you know, former top 10 draft pick, you know, the type of skill that's difficult to acquire outside of, you know, having a high first round draft pick. So, you know, it, is it going to work out? You know, I mean, who knows? Strom worked out. Perlini hasn't so much. I mean, Perlini was like, I think he was the 12th overall pick. You know, I, obviously they picked up Cuckoo last year as well, who I think was like a, like a 10th or 11th pick. Um, so, you know, some of these rolls of the dice work out, others don't. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I, I don't mind taking risks on high-end talent, you know, even if it is at the cost of a, a pretty good young player. You know, this is it, it certainly seems like this is – a deal where we're maybe sacrificing a little bit of probability to take a chance on some ceiling. So we'll see. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like, not, I'm not going to denigrate Yoki Haru either, but like, I think sometimes this happens more with baseball, even than hockey, but sometimes the prospect hype train gets going and it kind of gets, you know, overblown. And I think some of the average fans out there were thinking that, Yoki Haru was like a walk to be the next Duncan Keith. And I think sometimes that got, that can give a little bit, not that Yoki Haru couldn't be a good player, but I think sometimes that gets inflated. So then the fan reaction is a little more outsized than like, because people were very upset on the internet last night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it does have the associations of Nylander has definitely been a disappointment um, considering his draft position and it's kind of been that way for a year or so. Whereas Yoki Haru kind of the, the, uh, discussion around him has been, you know, he was a late first round draft pick who's kind of exceeded expectations. So the narrative on him is all positive and strong, you know, at this point, whereas, you know, I, I, their values probably a lot closer than what people would imagine. Um, but we'll see, I, I, you know, and I think the other part of that was, you know, I had mentioned, you know, obviously the defense last year was so bad and that Yoki Haru offered some hope, but the other part of that is the Blackhawks have not drafted and developed a top four defenseman since Nicholas Jalmerson. It has been a long time. And now whether or not Yoki Haru ends up being the best out of their crop of young player, you know, young defense prospects that they have, or if he ends up being the worst, regardless of where he is in that pecking order, he arrived on the scene first. And so he was the one that the fans were, you know, could see and could cling to. And so... I think that kind of added to his value as a, you know, as an entity for fans, but 
Yeah, and we'll another, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I do I do have some questions on Yoki Haru. He, he he does move pretty well. He moves the puck well. I'm not sure he's got you know a, a an elite shot where he's going to score many goals. But you know maybe he can be more of like a Duncan Keith where you know maybe scores five goals but gets a lot of assists. But my one concern with Yoki Haru is he's not a real big guy. And there were, and I don't want to say that it's never going to happen, but there were definitely a lot of times where he was just physically not able to win board battles. Yeah, he was get he would get and so, pushed around a lot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, nineteen years old, first time in the NHL, that's going to happen to basically everyone in that position, but. I'm kind of wondering if part of the Blackhawks evaluation, and we know they do a lot of in-depth physical testing on these guys. I kind of wonder if the deciding factor for them on that was they felt like he was going to be out of, out of the other guys that they have that he might have the lower physical ceiling where he might not be able to hold up quite as well under certain scenarios than, than, than what those other guys project. Yeah. So. And I was also going to say that, you know, the Blackhawks are also very aggressive. Like the start last season, I don't know if people even remember this. He was put on the top pairing with Duncan Keith, which was a very like yeah. aggressive to start his career. And <laughs> it did not last very long. And it was, you know, everyone thought, well, they're no, so aggressive either he 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 played pretty well and you know so it i i I don't know that that was such you know such a you know an issue so much with him where you know i think part of it too was people were like oh look how much q played him and then as soon as colleton took over he stopped playing as much and i think a lot of that was you were changing systems in the middle of the year you know is the young guy going to pick up on that quite as quick? Perhaps not. Um, also, Connor Murphy was out at the beginning of the year. Once he returned, he was going to take somebody's spot. We know it wasn't going to be Seabrook. So Yoki Haru was kind of the, you know, obvious sacrifice in that um, situation. Yeah, which was, and, by the way, was a point you made last last episode was that you were saying yeah. that Yoki Haru probably would start in the minors because Murphy would be ready for the whole year. And then maybe he would get a couple of weeks until Dahan came back, but he would be in the same situation as last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, you know, we're going to have to see how this plays out. I, I tend to think that Buffalo probably ends up getting the better end of the deal. But if, you know, there's certainly the possibility that the Blackhawks end up with the higher end player out of the two. We'll, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, it's yeah. it's got to play out. Yeah, you'd say like right now, you'd say like sixty forty odds for Buffalo, but those odds are leave a lot a lot open to chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so now we can move on to some of these other many moves. Um, I guess we can just go in chronological order. Uh, you know, the free agent period, the Black Ox signed uh, Carpenter from uh, Las Vegas, who is, you'd say, like a fourth line guy. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, he's a, 
yeah, he's a 12th, 13th forward. Um, his role is basically going to uh, probably get paired with uh, David Kampf on the fourth line, um, you know, with Camp as a left-handed guy who at times struggled at, in the face-off dot. Carpenter can play both center and right wing just like Camp. So I have a feeling those two are going to kind of be interchangeable and they'll hopefully be able to win enough defensive zone draws. They're not going to contribute a lot offensively. They're not going to be asked to contribute much offensively. Their job is going to be win the win a draw in the defensive zone, or if you don't win it, just try and get control of the puck, keep it out of the net, get it out, and get a line change. You know, it's the role we've seen Marcus Kruger play. Um, you know, Kruger kind of did it on his own for yeah, a few years we, there. I guess we should add to um uh, best of luck to Kruger, who's going to play in Europe. Yeah. 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 I think at this point in his career, that's probably the best fit for him. Um, you know, he just his skating deteriorated a little bit and his, uh, strength a little bit too. I, I, I think once he had that wrist injury a couple of years ago, it kind of, it, it, it's robbed him of whatever, um, remaining offensive ability he had and it if made him struggle in the face off dot and he just he wasn't quite as effective after that um but yeah so you know obviously you would like to have one guy that can kind of play that role um I, the hawks don't really have that luxury right now so I, I think it ends up kind of being a tag team between those two to replace kruger and I, my guess is that those two will be tasked with playing a, a big role on the penalty kill. That was one of the things that they brought up with Carpenter was that he was, you know, a, a fairly regular um, part of the uh, Vegas penalty killing core. And so that's going to be his role. Um, win some faceoffs and compete as a penalty killer. Yep. And of course, uh, comp signed a two year, uh, just meant based yep. cheap deal. So that wasn't yeah, both both him and Carpenter are making a million dollars per year. Um, they both signed multi-year deals. Camp is at two years. Carpenter's at three. Um, you know, those are contracts that are below the amount that you can bury in the minor leagues without um, suffering cap ramifications. So those are both guys that, you know, I think they're probably hoping one of them can maybe take another step and develop into being a, you know, a reliable fourth line guy for the near future. But at the same time, they sign the, the Hawks sign them for low enough where if some of their young players come on, these guys are replaceable. You know, these are the guys that the Hawks are hoping to upgrade in the coming years. But in the meantime, we needed somebody to fill those roles. Yeah. And uh, I never even looked at, they offer Perlini a contract or. Um, they're still negotiating. Uh, he is probably seeking a bit more money than the Blackhawks are willing to invest in him at this point. I mean, Perlini does have some decent, back of the you know back of your hockey card uh numbers he is a guy that 
has scored goals in the NHL. Um, I want to say he had 18 goals or 19 goals for the Coyotes a couple of years ago. And even last year in, you know, what was a down year, he still ended up scoring like 11 or 12. So, I mean, he has a, a skill in the NHL that, that, that tends to pay you, get you paid. And so I, I think with a lot of guys with his amount of game experience and goal scoring acumen, they tend to get a lot closer to $2 million than $1 million in restricted free agency. But with the shortcomings that we saw in Perlini's game and just the fact that he's not going to have a roster spot, um, you know, dedicated for him, he's going to have to earn it. I don't think the Hawks are interested in paying him anywhere close to $2 million. So if he's not willing to come down or um, if the Hawks can find a trade partner, um, I, you know, I think there's a very good chance Perlini won't be here, but you know, there's always a chance that they can still work, have it work out and, you know, he can get another opportunity here. But as of right now, he's, he's not on the roster. He's not signed. Yeah. All right. So now a move I actually kind of like, uh, the Blackhawks signed, um, Islanders goalie, Robin Leonard to a one year deal. And I really like this move. I think he's a very good for the Islanders last year. And I think he's a solid backup. Of course. Now it moves Colin, Colin Delia back down to the AHL, but overall I like the move. Yeah. I, I, I love the move. Um, we knew the Blackhawks were going to have a little bit of spare um, cap space this season where it, you know, it was money that they're going to need to have earmarked for um, the DeBrinket and Strom extensions next off season. So they couldn't bring in anybody with that, with that money that was going to extend into next season. So I think they were kind of, looking for bargain hunting on the, you know, somebody looking for a a one year prove it deal on the free agent market, or maybe looking to acquire, you know, a one year rental player in a trade and just try and get the best, you know, player that they could in those, in that situation. And, you know, Robin Leonard fell into their laps. He's a guy that has, um, a lot of documented, uh, off-field concerns as far as uh, he's a guy with some mental health issues that, uh, um, you know, kind of plagued him early in his career and kind of kept him from being a consistent performer and, um, you know, kept him from fulfilling his full potential um, as they also led to some alcohol and uh, addiction issues. Um, But before before last season he seemed to um you know kind of own up to it and get the help that he needed and you know in in some ways it's kind of similar to the scott darling situation from a couple of years ago before he signed with the blackhawks now um so i i think with those concerns i i I can understand why the Islanders and other teams were maybe not willing to go, uh, you know, multi-years with him. 
Um, but, and, and he was actually a guy that, I, you know, before the off season started, he was a guy I thought, Oh, you know, I would love, you know, if, if, if nobody else is going to offer him, you know, a suitable contract, the Blackhawks seem like a good team to, you know, that, that could take advantage of that and hop in on it. But then I had saw some rumors that the Islanders were actually offering him a two year contract. And so I just kind of discarded the notion, but obviously that stuff came to fruition and no, I think it's great. Uh, it, it sets the Blackhawks up perfectly. Um, he's going to be able to do what, um, Ward wasn't able to do last year, which is offer a viable, talented starting goaltender as insurance for Corey Crawford. And if Crawford is healthy at this point in their careers, Leonard is as talented, if not slightly more talented. So, you know, you could certainly even see a 50, 50 split between the two if both are healthy. So, and then it gives them in the next off season, um, both Crawford and Leonard's contracts are going to be up. You know, the, uh, if, if Leonard has a good year, I honestly think that they could decide to, move forward with him as their starter as opposed to Crawford and not lose anything. Yeah. And as you were saying, another thing too, is that it probably good for Colin, Colin Delia to get a full year in the AHL to get, you know, seasoned and yeah. Get ready to be yeah, ready to it's, go. It's not going to hurt him at all. Yeah. Yep. You know, and especially with, I mean, Crawford's still just as big of a question mark this year as he was last year. I mean, he had yet another concussion last year and no, it didn't keep him out for as long, but you know, anytime he takes anything off his mask, that, that, that question is going to linger. And so they needed a, a, you know, a third guy that they could count on. And I, you know, like I said, this just, it, it worked out perfectly for the Blackhawks. I, I, I just, I'm really happy with the way, that, that they honestly have the best goaltending depth maybe in the entire NHL at this point. I mean, you got a true one A and one B with Leonard and Crawford, and uh, Delia is while not overly proven, has shown flashes of some really good potential starter potential even as a number three, and then uh, Kevin Lankinen who kind of split duties uh, in the AHL last year, had a really good world, uh, world championship tournament uh, with Finland. And, you know, just kind of, he's, he's kind of set himself up as, a, you know, another potential option for them. So they look four deep in goal this year. And that, that sets them up nicely, given Crawford's concerns. So now we move on to the final move, which... I'm kind of ambivalent on, but a lot of other people have kind of been more pro and I haven't really talked to you about it, but the Blackhawks have reacquired their old friend, Andrew Shaw for a series of draft picks and he's back in the mix. So I think I'll just ask you, what do you think of the return of Andrew Shaw? Uh, good move. Good, solid move. Um, I mean, Shaw has a little bit of wear and tear on him, a little bit of injury concerns. He's probably not a guy that you can count on for 82 games at this point, but with the cap going up the way it has over the last couple of years, his contract is all of a sudden 
very reasonable. He's got three years at three point nine million left um, for a versatile forward that can play all three forward positions. Uh, again, he's a right-handed guy, willing to do some of the dirty work, be an agitator, just a bunch of things that the Blackhawks have been missing really since he left. Um, he's a really good fit for what the Blackhawks need. Um, and the cost was very reasonable. It was, you know, second and a third round draft pick, which is, you know, important, but not excessive. I'd much rather have Shaw than a second and third round pick at this point. Um, especially if the Blackhawks are looking to, you know, compete at a higher level and those end up being, you know, later second round and third round draft picks. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I shouldn't say that um, I just I, when Shaw left, I didn't think it was the end of the world for the Blackhawks is what was always my theory. No, and, he, and especially at the time with the contract that he was getting offered and that he was seeking, it, it, it just was never going to be financially viable for the Blackhawks at that time. Um, but in the two years since then, like I said, the cap's gone up enough. The Blackhawks have cleared enough of the other dead weight off of their salary cap situation where they can afford this. I, I wouldn't even call it a luxury. It's just he's just a quality middle six player and he's paid appropriately for that. So it's it's yeah, just a solid bet. Not a home run, but it's a solid bet. Yeah. And as you were saying, the Blackhawks desperately lacked third and fourth line players last year. So to get a yeah. solid third line player is a good move. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we talked at times last year. I, I, I think what did I consider? They had like eight legitimate NHL forwards for most of last year, and right now I think they have ten proven guys, and then they've got Kubalik, Nylander, um Perlini, Sakura, um, Sorella, Doc, um, you know, and a couple of other guys that all have NHL skills. We'll just see, you know, hopefully they can figure out in those last two spots that hopefully two of them will, um, you know, develop to the point this season where they can be relied upon. And yeah, I mean, they've, they've filled out their depth to a far, far greater degree than they had last year. So that's Both on guess, offense and defense now. Yeah. Well, since you kind of brought that up, I thought I, I would ask you that for our final thing. Because you were kind of talking on Twitter, too, about Kirby Doc maybe having a shot to make the team this year out, out of camp. So yeah. I thought I'd ask you, what do you think? Do you think there's a good I, chance of that? Or? I think at the very least, they're going to bring him to camp and give him a chance to earn the his his nine game trial. They can keep him up in the NHL for nine games without burning a year of his contract and still being able to send him back to junior if he's not ready. So there's there's not a lot of risk um, in keeping him around in that situation. You know, the only way that it wouldn't work is if there are just clearly 13 other players that are better than him. So 
if he shows enough to at least get a look, they can they get a little bit of a leeway and a little bit of trial at the beginning of the year. And they can do the same with Adam Boquist this year as well. I think both of those guys have a shot, um, you know, where they could get a look and then, you know, the Hawks can play it by ear after the first month of the season. They could send them both back to juniors or they could decide to, to, to keep them around if they're, if they're performing well. Yeah. And that would be, and then obviously, and obviously docs, uh, uh, Odds would improve if the Hawks decide to trade Artemisimov. We're still not sure where the, you know, the chips are going to fall on that. You know, it's obviously a move that I think they would like to make, but they're not just going to dump him for nothing. I think they they feel like they can still, it, 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 they need to get at least a, a, a decent return for him. They're they're not just going to treat him as a cap dump. I don't think. So if he's gone, that opens up a lot more opportunity for playing time at center with on the Blackhawks roster. Um, but if Anisimov is still around, it's, it'd be a little bit harder to fit doc in. Yeah. So that'll be what we'll have to look for the next uh, month or so to see if they find a taker for Anisimov or I guess possibly for uh, Perlini. If they can't work out the, Terms are restricted. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Perlini. The odds of him being a part of the Blackhawks opening night roster are, I don't know, maybe twenty five percent at this point. Whereas I think Anisimov is probably closer to seventy five percent. Yeah, and I apologize. My dog has been going nuts all night. Yeah, it's okay. Everyone's on. Everyone, the listeners of the podcast are familiar with your dog and we don't mind so i don't mind yeah all right so i guess that'll be where we'll end it for this week now i don't know exactly when we'll be back the next time but obviously i mean if anisimov is traded or there's some other big move we will come back with a with a pot i mean if there's another yoki haru style trade coming then obviously we'll be back then and we'll we'll just play it by ear until then because obviously the season uh, when does the camp starts in end of September, right? Uh, I think it's the middle of September is training okay. camp. Um, is I think middle of September is when like the games start. Um, but they got like their prospect camp uh, starting next week, and then they'll have like their prospect tournament. I think is next month, and so there's a little bit of goings on and stuff. But I'm not sure any of it will require a full blown podcast episode four but you know we can play it by ear like you said yep all right so uh that's it for this episode uh i'm sth85 on twitter michael mj underscore ernst yep of course you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes and give us a rating and a review if you like what you hear you can also i put up the links on twitter so you can get it on soundcloud and yeah just we'll be back when as news merits. And until then, thank you for listening.